Hey, I want to welcome you to this week's edition of the Galley Podcast. Joey, your host here. Uh, so today I'm very excited because we're going to be uh, kicking off a brand new series that I'm going to be doing for the next couple of weeks um, about women in ministry. We're going to talk about how women can impact the kingdom, how they have impacted the kingdom, how they are impacting the kingdom. So I'm very excited about it, and I'm glad you're taking the time to join us. So to kick things off this week, I am joined by Miss Melissa Young, who is the director of Imagine Missions and is a missionary that we support here at our church. So we're going to talk about her. We're going to talk about the mission. We're going to talk about how we at Galilee are partnering together. Um, and then we're going to talk about just how God has used her and how God can use women in ministry. So thank you for joining me. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to the episode 22 of the Galley podcast. Joey, your host here and discipleship minister at Galley Christian Church. So I'm very excited today. Um, I, I have a special guest with me. Uh, Miss Melissa Young is joining us. Um, if you were in church with us on Sunday, you, you will probably remember her from uh, standing on the stage, but uh, she's from Imagine Missions um, and she's going to join us today. We're going to talk a little bit about, about Haiti, about Imagine Missions, but one of the things that I really wanted to to talk about is I wanted to do a, a series for us on this podcast, kind of exploring uh, the impact that women have in ministry. So that's kind of, that's kind of uh, the direction I want to go for the next couple of weeks as we look, talk to, to some different women. And Melissa has uh, volunteered to be number one. So she's going to be guinea pig number <laughs> one today and allow me uh, to ask questions um, and, and kick things off, right? So welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad glad we get to have you with us today. Um, so we originally, this is Wednesday, for those people who aren't watching. Originally, we had this scheduled for Monday, and we were just talking about how that was a ridiculous idea because <laughs> you were in a whirlwind um, weekend, and then you, you were like, I need some time. So I appreciate you being here I, and yeah. taking the time. I always think I can do it all. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, really, I, I think I need a little break. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's kick things off. Okay. So let's just start with this very simple sort of softball question, which is basically kind of tell us a little about you, right? I mean, um, where you're from, what, you know, kind of what your life is like. Um, and then you can tell us a little bit about Imagine Missions. Um, we're going to, I want to get in depth about that later, but right now just kind of for the, maybe somebody who's never met you or maybe um, somebody who maybe, um, it's new to our church. Kind of, kind of talk to us a little bit about who you are. And sure. What you do. Um, lifelong resident of Ohio, except for the eight years I lived uh, in Haiti. So I'm an Ohio oh, girl. Um, just going to be celebrating my 44th birthday coming up here in the next week. So um, mom of three beautiful boys uh, adopted from Haiti. So I'm a pretty okay. lucky mama there. Mm. Um, uh, educator by trade. Um, okay. Before I went to Haiti, that's what I was. I was a kindergarten teacher. So um, that's kind of what uh, I've always done, educating and, and then uh, just doing things like that. Um, so when I went to Haiti, um, we had a school and, and obviously children and, and kids and uh, education were like on the front of my four mind. So, you know, Haiti really kind of uh, led into that uh, where I was at in my life at the time, goodness, 12 years ago. So um yeah, so for the last 12 years, uh, I've been working in, with Haiti, uh, living eight of those years in Haiti, uh, just most recently, in the last few years, back here in the States, because uh, my boys are back here going to school and things, so we kind of made that transition. 
yeah. Imagine Missions, uh, Imagine Missions came about about 12 years ago, same time I took over. Um, originally, um, this organization was called uh, LOCC, uh, Loyal Oaks Community Chapel, and it was also run by a gentleman from Ohio. Um, and so um, we had another group here that was going to our church and they met this gentleman and he invited uh, us down to Haiti and that's kind of how all that got started with uh, working um, with the, the orphanage there and a lot of church plants that he had there and things. Mm -hmm. So um, the earthquake happened in 2010. Uh, I took a years <laughs> sabbatical uh, to go down and help out, which turned into, hey, I'm moving to Haiti to take over uh, an orphanage. Uh, needless to say, my family was not all that uh, happy about that decision at first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, over the last 12 years, Imagine Missions has um, just gone through uh, quite the evolution, um, taking over something that was already existing, um, working really hard to uh, help these children find um, some hope uh, for their future, education, family, and then um, in the last two years, the Lord really directing us into getting our children back with their biological families. So um, it's been quite the um, adventure uh, yeah. that the Lord's had had me on and had this organization on in the last 12 years. Sweet, sweet. So let's talk, let's, let's go back for a second. So here you are, you're a kindergarten teacher, mm -hmm. um, teaching kindergarten, just involved in your church. Just, I mean, yep always been very involved in church, um, grew up in the Moravian church, um, okay. if it, and then uh, went to the Christian church um, in about 2000, moved uh, to another local church here in our community, but always really involved with teaching Sunday school and working with youth group and, and those kind of things. Um, yeah. It's always been my, you know, my second, second family first, you sure. know. Sure. So, you know, some guy, so it's, it wasn't one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm, I, you know, as a little girl, I'm going to be a missionary. <laughs> no, right? it was absolutely one of those, not. God got a hold of you later. Right. And right. started talking to you about stuff. Um, so um, uh, now this gentleman from Haiti, you just kind of knew him or did you just kind of knew him from the church? Is that basically? What no, happened? he had no connection to us at all. Oh, okay. Um his name's John Hawthorne. Uh, he was American okay. and uh, there was a singing group called the Massey Trio and they were going around singing at churches and they just happened to start leading worship at our church okay. the summer of 2008. And um, John had heard them singing and said, hey, I'd love for you to come down and sing to at some of my churches and at the orphanage in Haiti. And yeah. so they were up leading worship one Sunday and said, hey, we got invited to go to Haiti if anybody wants to go with us. And I happened to be sitting, I'm one of those weird people that sits in the third row, left-hand side every <laughs> yeah. Sunday. And for some reason, I was sitting up in the balcony that day and was just like, hey, I, I think I want to do that, you know? Yeah. And um, so there were 18 of us that went on the original ship in uh, 2009, February 2009. And I was kind of just along for the ride because they were doing mostly church visits and things. And yeah. uh, Scott Cayley, who's the pastor at my home church, uh, we were doing some prison ministry and he came to me and he's like, I think you're going to come here full time and, and work. And I said, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. I have every intention of staying connected. Um, but that's yeah. 
like I said, my family's never going to go for that. I come from a Greek family, and so everybody uh -huh. has a say in, in my life decisions. Um, like, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but um, God really was opening up doors that I didn't even see um, yeah. that was preparing for this to happen. You know, with being an educator, I should have never even been on that first trip. Um, because I had to ask for 12 days leave of absence from my oh, wow. school district, unpaid leave. And most wow. school districts these days don't yeah. see that as something they want their teachers or, you know, see as something important. And I was mm -hmm. luckily at a very small school district um, who really still saw the value in that. And for 10 years, they sponsored a kid every September and put him through school and, and things. So, you know, God was softening hearts and opening up doors um, that yeah. I didn't even know was, it's, was it's, coming. <laughs> it's crazy to think about, you know, how God does that, you know, it's, yep. it's like he's moving before any of us even comprehend of something. Right. And then he's sort of opening doors and, um, and it's, it's funny because you find yourself after the fact, sometimes looking back going, Oh, now I, <laughs> I can see what you're doing, God. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things I love about one of the things that, about missions that sparks my heart is I feel like there's a level of, there's a level of faith there that is just required, right. Yeah. Just take that step. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost to me it's it's gotten to a place of almost it's addictive like okay i want to see god move that way mm -hmm. right um and you get excited because you're like man I, I want to see god do something awesome and and so i want to take this step and see it and um you know some people when they go on those trips and they come back they really struggle right they really struggle with um just kind of reacclimating, if you will to yep. to american life did you feel that when you came back from that first trip? Was it yeah. just an unsettledness? Very much so. Um, that first month that I was back after that trip, I mean, I didn't sleep well. Mm -hmm. um, you really started guess, second guessing like your finances and just what we're spending money on and what we're putting our you know, focus on. And yep. um, the kids were living in some really harsh conditions um, when we went down there the first time. And so it was just shocking um to see the kids in the orphanage living a certain way and then um to see the the country of haiti and how mm -hmm. people were still living in you know homes that are still you know thatch roof and cinder block dirt floor no indoor plumbing um it was just it was really hard when i came back and i really struggled and and it's hard to convey that if you weren't part of that group mm -hmm. that was there yeah. or you haven't witnessed that. It's really hard for people to understand um, how you could be having those kind of really difficult life-changing feelings from a, a, a 12-minute trip, you know, or a 12-day trip that you took. My camera's falling on me. Yeah, I'm, exactly. <laughs> like, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's hard to explain to people, you know, when I know when I've been on trips and I've come back and you get this sort of restlessness um, and you, people kind of don't get it. Um, mm -hmm. And so you kind of feel a little, little, little weird. Uh, Cause yeah. it's like, okay, everybody else thinks I'm nuts, but right. no, especially, especially in, in, in probably a family that is probably as close knit as yours. I mean, what, so talk, talk to me a little bit about what, what was that process like of like, okay, you come back from that trip, um, you're, you're feeling restless to that moment where you were like, okay, God, I'm going to make this, take this step. I'm willing to just 
leave this life behind and go like was there a was there like no. a yeah like was there one of those moments where a light came down and you're like uh, the heavens open you're like oh okay lord right you not, wish it was that way. not really like yeah. i still thought i was just gonna make multiple trips a year yeah. um but like i said the earthquake happened and so our kids were really in some dire conditions um we i i don't do this very often i'm a pretty independent lady um when the earthquake happened within two days we sent three men down through the dominican republic to get to our kids because our entire wall had fallen down and things and i really wanted to go and they're like melissa you can't go you're a woman you, you know we don't know what the safety yeah. conditions are going to be like and i was like okay um and then we sent another group of gentlemen down the next week and then i was on the first um plane that went into country like three weeks after the earthquake and even at that point, I mean, I was down there, I was, you know, we had some really sick kids from sleeping in not good conditions and we were still having tremors. Um, mm -hmm. I'll never <laughs> believe the first night I was there and it sounded like a, a, a train and there are no trains in Haiti that was coming from the back of the house. Oh, and I had yeah. two kids with like 103 temperatures that were sleeping with me and I heard everybody go screaming, running out of the house. and. I walked outside and they're all like, you know, get out of the house. And I'm like, the least you could have done was yell earthquake. And they all just started right. laughing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but even at that point, I mean, like I said, I said I was going to take a year sabbatical, just go down and help out. Mm -hmm. um, it was in October of, um, of 2010, John, I was living at the orphanage. So that was quite the experience. The first six months I was there, I lived on site with the kids. Our generator had broken down and I had been washing out of a six gallon bucket for like six weeks. That's a whole new perspective oh, yeah. on, on life and amenities that we have. But right. John called me up on the phone and was like, hey, you know, I'm six, I'm 74 years old. My health is not well. Um, Connie and I, his wife, you know, we've really been praying about this and we, we think that you should take over our organization. Mm -hmm. And that's wow. kind of what it, it was kind of crickets. <laughs> how do you respond to that? Like, how do yeah. you, what do you say to that? You know, someone who's, you know, built this ministry for 30 years is asking you to, to, to take on this responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, it was very overwhelming. Um, I called Scott Kaylee, who's the pastor at my home church. and was just like, this is what's being asked of me. You know, are you willing to come alongside? And I've been blessed all along the yeah. way to have an amazing support system. Um, you know, my family, though they really struggled, has, you know, said, okay, we don't necessarily agree with this, or it is not necessarily not agreeing, but just fearful. Yeah, um, sure. you know, fearful for me as a single lady being down there. Mm -hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of other Americans there, <laughs> you right. know, those kind of things. Um, but God really blessed me with an amazing church family and family and support system. And then, you know, Galilee was the first mission trip that I had down at my house um the first of 2011 and so the Brian? relationship Did... yeah yeah Brian Lily and Wendy and Brian and you know so that just those amazing people yeah. um that God brought in right from the very beginning that trust me if I didn't have that support system over the last 12 years you know I don't know if I'd still be doing what I'm doing yeah yeah Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, you mentioned it briefly and what's it like? I don't know how to put this delicately, but okay. what's it like for a woman walking into this kind of 
role um, and, and that kind of country and making that kind of decision. You said single woman. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that puts a whole new dynamic on that decision-making, you know, and, yes. I, you know, as a father of a little girl, I can understand why, you know, a parent would be like, oh, I don't know about this, but, and, and to be honest, there's a part of me that would be like, well, if she, if there was a man going with her, I would feel more comfortable, right? right? Because that's, I mean, unfortunately, that's just it. Yeah. So what is that like? I mean, um, talk, I guess, uh, what, what, yeah, just talk to me what that's like. I, I'm just curious. A little bit background on Haiti in general mm. with, with, with that dynamic of men and women. It is still a very male-dominated society. Sure. Um, they're really, I mean, it really is the man rules. The lady is to stay home, do the cooking, cleaning, those kind of things. So um, to be, you know, I wasn't raised that way. I was raised as a very strong lady to take care of myself, you know. Sure. So to kind of step into that role, being a very confident person in myself, but coming up against that cultural difference, um, mm -hmm. I really had to learn how to speak in a very... Um, softer way um, mm. in a leadership role because um, all the other people that I was working with were males. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I had to learn how to talk with them and how to get to know them. Um, I was very, very fortunate that the gentleman who was running the orphanage as the Haitian director at the time, Roselle, um, had lived in the States. He okay. spoke very good English, um, you know, and things. So he would always say, she's an American woman. You're not going to get that, you know? So he, he kind of knew that dynamic, um, sure. but really worked in partnership. Um, yeah. And so that helped me a lot because mm. he established um, a respect for me um, mm. that continues to this day. Um, a lot of people will say, Melissa, you're the only American woman in Haiti I know that can like, <laughs> do the things that you do and make the decisions and tell these guys that they need to get this done, you know, and they, they don't give you any issues and things. So yeah. um, I was very blessed in that, but it, it definitely, I had to learn even with Roselle, how to, how to talk in a way um, that really promoted understanding and that I wasn't trying to be your boss, but we, mm -hmm. we need to figure this out. Like we need, we need to come to an agreement um, and things. So it was a challenge. Well, and that's what, you know, what you talked about too, is one of the challenges that a lot of people, a lot of missionaries face is that what we call contextualization, right? So you've got to walk in and understand, okay, this is their culture. Um, and, and so I've kind of got to navigate their culture a little bit. Um, and there's, some of that, not to condone bad behavior in a culture, but some of you just kind of be like, okay, that's the way I've got to find a way to fit in that culture right. and still get the job done. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of places, you know, you go in and you do training for that culture that you're walking in for, you mm -hmm. know, you learn the language and you do all these things stateside before you jump yeah. right in. Um, right. I have never, um, done anything other than jump right in so you know I jumped right into like being a single mom of 120 kids being a director of an orphanage making all these decisions and trying to learn the culture and the language all at the same time it, yeah I probably made a few mistakes along the way <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's that's the you know there, there you go like a lot of missionaries yeah they spend years preparing um, and some just jump in and get on the job training which is what you did yeah and, it was definitely you know, on action, the job training <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's action, you know, I mean, like something yeah. needed to get done. 
right? Yep. And I think too, one of the things when I talk to people about serving um, in our church, even in our church, they'll, you know, I always say to them, we, we tend to ask like, what, what do I like to do? And, and sort of stuff. I always say, what, what bothers you? Like when you mm. see a problem, yeah. what is it that gets under your skin? And you say, someone should do something about that. Yeah. Because that to me, I have found has sparked a lot of uh, mission and a lot of serving because people have seen issues or seen problems in cultures and said, that's got to get fixed. In your case, yeah. you know, you see children that are sick right. and you go, no, this is unacceptable. Like this yeah. is just unacceptable. I yeah. have to. Children to living it. in bad living conditions, not, not knowing what family, not having, knowing what that love of somebody, unconditional love, um, mm -hmm. just not having access to, you know, good food and nutrition and um, education, you know, all these right. things that we, we work so hard here to give our, our kids, you know, these kids weren't getting that. And, you know, one of the things when I went down, I said, I just, I want these kids when they leave here at 18 to just have good memories. Like we started taking beach trips and celebrating yeah. Christmas and having an Easter egg hunt. And, you know, even those really simple things, sometimes we take for granted here in the States, those kids weren't having any of that. And so, you know, that I just wanted them to have those memories and those, you know, things to look forward to and to look back on when they did leave at 18, right. you know, to take with them when they left. Right. And have some resemblance of a childhood, you know, unfortunately yes. they there's in a situation where they're a lot, they could have to be, they're made to grow up faster than they should. Right. And you're, you're getting to let them have an actual childhood for a little while. Yeah. So you come in, is there, there's a, there is an orphanage. That's where you start with an orphanage. Right. So there was already an orphanage and a school that existed. Um, there was 120 kids ages like three to 17, 18 living in the orphanage when I first took over in 2011. And there was just a primary school. So like kindergarten through sixth grade. And once the kids hit sixth grade, they were not, they were done with school. Um, the gentleman who ran it before didn't feel it was necessary um, to send kids on to school after sixth grade. That's right. one of the things that we agree to disagree on <laughs> right. very strongly. Um, so it was very different then. And so, you know, obviously folk focused on creating family within the orphanage and concentrating on education. So we got those kids, we had kids 17, 18, starting seventh grade, like that year, getting them to school. Um, and that really changed the atmosphere at the orphanage um, because the kids could go to school if they wanted and things like that. And so when they saw these kids getting the opportunity to finish their education, like you, you would see kids carrying around their books studying. And it just mm. really changed the attitude and um, the desire. Like I can see now I have, I can put some effort into my schooling because I, I'm gonna get to finish it. And so that's kind of where we started. Um, okay but that's not where we're at now. So just, you right. know, we've made right. quite the transition from there, but yeah. So now you're focused more at school. Yes. You still have the school, correct? And then you're focusing on family reunification. Right. Correct. Right. So we no longer run an orphanage. So okay. again, how kind of the Lord changes your heart on things or opens your eyes to things when it's time to open your eyes to, um, at first I felt guilty that I hadn't d looked into reunification sooner. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I look back 2011, I couldn't have done what we're doing today. I didn't have the infrastructure. I didn't have the knowledge. 
um, and I didn't have the team in place to be able to do that. So, you know, um, last August, almost just a little over a year ago, God just really started opening our eyes to um, the possibility mm -hmm. of reunifying our kids with their parents. All of my kids, except for three, had a living parent. Okay. Um, and so we, God brought in another organization called Haiti Mama, who's a group of social workers. Um, and they had been reunifying or um, already had reunified 23 orphanages back with their, their families. And so started reading uh, Slow Kingdom Coming, doing a lot of research and podcasts on what global orphan care looks like. Um, and just really started educating ourselves um, yeah. on on what what this could look like. And then I started having a lot of conversations with my kids. Um, if you had the opportunity to live with your parents, how would you feel about that? Mm. Um, because we had a very open door policy. Families, parents would come and visit, you know, family would come and visit and things like that. Um, but the kids would always be like, they didn't want to say they wanted to go home with their family because they were afraid they were going to hurt my feelings or, or mm -hmm. me to think they're being disrespectful. And so we really had to start having those conversations like, it's okay, I really want to know how you feel and you're, you're not going to hurt my feelings. And so kids really started to say like, I would really love to spend time with my, my mom or I'd love to see my cousins. And so political unrest was making it difficult um, but we had a window of opportunity last November at Thanksgiving and I flew down and we invited all the parents, had a conversation kind of along the same lines. Like you, you gave your children up for the reason for education and food. And now we're able to continue to help you with that, but let you have your kids back with you. And they were so thankful and appreciative because we also had to change our philosophy on these parents. They're not bad parents. They didn't right. not love their kids and just want to give their kids away. They love their kids enough to say, here's a place where you're going to get an education and nutrition, and I'm going to do what's what I think is best for you. So um, it was just amazing. Again, it was hard. I've been yeah. with these kids for 10 years to see them walking out the door. There were lots of tears shed, sure. um, but mixed of, of sadness and joy, because mm -hmm. definitely joy seeing these kids um, back with their siblings, back with their their grandparents, just making those connections again. You know, just seeing God restore those families was just yeah. amazing to see. And so most of these families live within a five mile radius. So the blessing for us is they still get to come every day and go to school mm. where they grew up. So yeah. they're getting to see their friends and their family from, that they grew up with in the orphanage but they're also getting to, you know, reconnect with their families. Um, and it's just amazing to see how God has orchestrated that through all this political unrest and COVID-19 craziness um, of the last, uh, last year, for sure. Now, what, what about, like, what is it that you guys, when you were looking at that idea of unif reunification, you said, okay, here's what these parents need in order mm -hmm. for that to happen. Like, what, what was that thing where you guys were like, yeah, I feel like if we can do this or they're now out of place, was it that things got better for them or did Not you guys decide we could help? Or what, what kind of, you feel like prompted that decision? Two, two main things that, that make um, poverty orphans, is which, which is what our kids were, poverty orphans, um, our education, 
the lack of being able to afford education and the lack of being able to feed their children. Those yeah. are the two main things that will throw a family into crisis. And if somebody comes knocking on their door and says, hey, I have this place where I can take your children and give them this, you know, um, wh whether it be um, indentured servitude, like kind of option or orphanage, um, the parents are tempted to do it because those are the two things um, that they struggle with. One, because, you know, food is expensive and there's not a lot of jobs in Haiti. And second, there is no public education. Like if you want to send your kids to school, you have to pay for it. Mm. Um, and so we knew that we could continue to provide free education um, for these kids. So the only thing we ask our parents to do is, is pay their, their children's uniform, have their, make their uniform for them. Um, and it, we did have them also buy their books for the community kids. But um, at this point now, we're, we're trying to cover school completely, um, except for the uniform. And we implemented a meal program at the school. So every day the kids are getting a very nutritious protein, vegetable, um, rice meal um, to really sustain them through the day. So that just is alleviating two really high stress things off of these families um, to know that their kids are getting one good meal a day, which is what a lot of kids only get in Haiti anyways. Um, and this free education yeah. um, is really helping keep those families in a much stable, stabler environment. And you guys went, I mean, if I heard you correctly on Sunday, so you're at 400 some kids. So, yeah. So Which we had like 78 kids in the orphanage that we, we reunified. Okay. But for the last three years, we had opened up our school to kids in the community. Okay. Um, so right now we have with kids reunified and kids from the community, we have 439 students walking through our doors every day, pre-K up to um, graduating high school. Okay. Yeah. And what is the, the education system for Hedy real quick? I mean, like in an American context, we think kindergarten, first grade, elementary right. school, middle school, high school. What's, what's that look like for, for them? Yeah, it's more European style. So primary, secondary school. Mm -hmm. um, so like we have kindergarten A, B, and C, which is like your twos, threes, and regular, you know, or your two threes, your three fours, and then your five, six, like kindergarten classes. And then first through sixth, then seven through 10. And then we have something called philo class, which is actually the 13th year um, mm -hmm. that kids only take if they want to go on to university. They have to pass a government test. Okay. So ninth grade and, and class 13, um, they have to pass a government test um, to be able to go on in, in their schooling. Um, it's on a, it's not on a grading uh, system of A's, B's, and C's, but it's on a new number scale of zero to 10. Um, so when I first took over, Haitian standard is a five. A five is passing. Okay. Again, as an educator. <laughs> right. My wife's a teacher, 50%. so I, I get your, I get it. <laughs> Which is not passing. Um, so that was really hard, but we have pushed our kids and we've gotten kids up on grade level. And I would say 70%, uh, I'll have better numbers after this week. It's exam week this week, but at least 70% of our kids, all 439 are getting sevens or higher. 
Okay. So we really put in, you know, we, we really gave the kids like, you know, if you get a seven, you're going to, you know, some incentives to get up there and two, just really hiring teachers that were going to build their confidence and tell them that they were capable. That is not normal in Haitian schools. Um, Haitian schools are, um, very much teacher led, um, very much, um, if a, if a student shows any knowledge or that, you know, skill, the teachers intentionally single them out, put them down. Um, they put things on the exams to make them fail. It's a really completely different environment than what we as educators, you know, promote in our classrooms. So I did a lot of training with my our teachers, a lot of changing philosophy um, to help them understand that we want the kids to be successful. We want them to be confident. We want them to know they're intelligent and capable. And so um, it, it took a few years, but we have some amazing teachers and, and staff at our school that are really um, empowering these, these children um, to do well in school. Yeah, and so, I mean, Obviously, food is a necessity, but it seems like education is going to be the one of the things that need really yep. to be better. I mean, like if yes. we're going to help the country of Haiti elevate and get to a place of healthiness, it starts with generations that are getting healthy education. Yes. We've had a lot of conversations, um, especially around this the, the rioting that's happened the last year, because our kids were really upset and that people were looking at Haiti as a not a good place and not a safe place. And, you know, I really had some conversations with some of our older kids to help them understand that that's one of the reasons um, education is so important because it's going to give you a foundation to stand on because a lot of the writing and political things in Haiti, um, you have a lot of people that probably don't have more than a sixth grade education who are being influenced by people and they don't have the foundation to stand on to say, mm, that is, that, that, that's not right. That, that doesn't yeah. make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we really talked about this is why getting your education and, and knowledge and understanding of um, the world and, and government and stuff is going to help you be a better citizen to make better decisions to help put, you know, the right people in political office and, and things like that. So it generated a lot of conversation around that yeah. um, with that. Now, um, religiously, Haitians tend to be Catholic or Creole or, you know, that um, mixture. What, what it's is kind that of a like? mixture. Yeah. Um, Catholicism was like definitely the first group of, you know, missionaries and churches and, and things that came into Haiti. Um, but I would say there's a lot of Christian churches. A, a lot of that's kind of changing mm -hmm. um, a little bit. The thing you have to be really careful with too in Haiti is voodoo is still very prevalent. Right. And so um, many years of having conversations with the kids and things, there's a lot of that um, voodoo intertwined with the, the Catholic religion there and, and yeah, things. Um, now that would be in Mexico, but yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so too, we had to do a lot of talking about, you know, light and darkness can't operate in the same space. Um, mm -hmm. There's still a lot of, um, even those who, who, who say that they're Christians still hold on like in their back pocket, just in right. case. Yeah. Um, I have to pull out my voodoo, you know, yeah. um, to get something done. So lots of conversation. Um, Haiti's very Old Testament. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, so again, lots of, lots of Bible studies and conversations with our kids about grace and mercy and forgiveness. Mm. Um, Haiti tends to be very black and white, um, on issues and things. And so, um, a lot of pulling things from, um, from scripture, from old Testament, um, and so we had to have a lot of talk about, you know, Christ's coming and the New Testament and the new covenant and, and grace and forgiveness and things, because um, it, it can be very, um, very Old Testament, black and white kind of. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, this is my own curiosity. No one else may care about this, but um, <laughs> just because I, I'm curious. Well, you know, what, what would you say is it? the primary influencer for Haiti. Okay. Cause and the reason I'm asking this is because when I was in Mexico last year, I was having a conversation with someone and they were telling me, we were talking about this idea that, you know, America is like the standard that a lot of Mexicans are looking to because mm-hmm. we want to be more like them. Is yeah. there something like that for Haitians? Is it, oh, is, is it America? I would say is? America is too. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, if you pretty much would ask any of our kids or anything like, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want to, where do you want to be when you get older? Like, I want to find my way to America or Mm -hmm. that's definitely um, the standard that I would say that they, they put themselves to. Um, You know, you have a lot of Haitians that travel to different countries like Brazil and France and things like that. But I would still say that like America influences um, a lot of the, of the things in country. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting to me too, I was, I didn't, I guess this never clicked with me until a couple, maybe last year or two years ago, but what, I don't think people understand you've got Haiti on one side and <laughs> then you have the Dominican Republic on the other side and they're like black and white. Black and white, night and day. I mean, and the DR and, is very, you know, first world McDonald's street mm-hmm. lights. I had to take my son there for open heart surgery and I couldn't believe the difference. Um, it, yeah, it's two completely different worlds. And from the, my understanding too, the, the DR is not necessarily uh, happy with Haiti no, to put it not, in a nice way. Not friendly to Haitians. No, yeah, not friendly to Haitians, not good relations there at all. Yeah, and that's that. That's amazing to me because you have such a uh, uh, wealthy, I guess, or, or mu- yeah. definitely a much better play, better sure. off probably, and that could be helping and influencing, but they're not. They've no. They're basically y'all stay on your side of the island. I, we don't want you over here. Kind of pretty thing. much. Yep. Hmm. Especially yep. since you know they share. I mean, granted, one was French and one was Spanish, but still, it, I feel like they, they share a history together. Right? They share a history, right? <laughs> I mean, so yep. <clears throat> here's the here um, here's the question that I always love to ask missionaries when they go to places because I think again, thinking about that idea, right? Thinking about like you mentioned earlier, so, you know, people are going to look at Haiti. Um, and they're going to go, why would anyone want to go there? Like, why would anybody want to give up their life like mm-hmm. you have to go to a place like that? And, and I know that there are a lot of other missionaries that probably get that question too. Like, why would sure. you go to that far off place? And, and, and I've had conversations. I, my wife and I have a particular passion and heart for Mexico. So we've been there. It's kind of uh, something that we love very deeply. And even having people some of them not Christians, but some of them were like, why would you want to go there? And 
to me, it's funny because like there's a beauty there that mm -hmm. I feel like I only see, or, or there's something beautiful about that place that, um, that outsider, someone who's most people miss. And so my question for you, this may sound a bit strange, but what is beautiful to you about Haiti? And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people will look at the unrest, unrest look at the poverty, and they'll go, that right. is an ugly place to be. But right. yet, there are people there, right? There, God's creation is there. There's human beings there. There is something beautiful there. And I think that's what, what a lot of people miss. So what would you say is something that's absolutely beautiful about Haiti? That people For me, it's the Haitian it? people. I yeah. mean... The Haitian people are just amazing people. Um, they are the most resilient, most, you know, hopeful, always seeing the glass half full, where I would definitely be seeing it half empty, you know, with the conditions that they live in. Um, you know, it's just amazing to see um, their trust in, in, in God that, you know, though these are the conditions that we're living in or, the, the circumstances, I mean, the earthquakes and hurricanes and unrest, like just the upheaval um, that they live their life in, not knowing one day from the next, you know, what, what's going to, what it's going to be. And they just have this resilience, this strength, um, this joy um, yeah. that just, it, it's infectious and it, it just, they just have this beauty to them. Um, yeah that most of us would probably be in the corner crying somewhere. Like I <laughs> can't put <laughs> yeah. another foot in front of me. And they're just like, Hey, we get up tomorrow. We're, we're so, you know, yeah. you know, thank you. I have another day in Jesus, you know? Yeah. And it's like, man, I want to have that, you know, that, that philosophy too. Yeah. And there's so much that we can, it's so much that we could learn from them. The funny thing about it is we have so much and they have so little and yet they have more joy than many yes. of us do. Yeah. You know, um, so obviously mission work is, is not for the faint of heart, um, <laughs> by any shape, form or fashion. Um, but, um, what, are, what right now, is there something that we can be, obviously we want to be in prayer for, but is there, is there stuff that we need to know about that we need to be in prayer for you about, um, what are some of the, what are some of the hurdles right now that, that you feel like, man, we, we've got to get over or just we're hitting right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our biggest hurdle right now in the last, you know, year and a half has just been this political unrest, this inability to travel frequently or safely around Haiti. Um, not having our teams down and things has really been has really been hard on the mission side of things. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's hard to keep people connected and and really um, talking and, and and sharing with everybody when they when they're not getting to experience it, and so. Um, I think that's been our biggest thing is um, how do we keep everybody connected mm -hmm. um, as well as at this time we've gone through this really big transition and um, our imagined family, which we've always talked in family, um, was so connected to these kids. And so just with this shift and the kids not being with their families and everything looks so different, mm -hmm. um, you know, it kind of leaves people thinking, okay, where do, where do we go from here? Or like, what's the future look like? And so, mm -hmm. you know, we've really tried um, 
to articulate really well with um, all of those um, that are part of this Imagine family, um, that as soon as we can get teams back down, you know, we want to get you connected with these whole families now. Like you're not just gonna get to experience with this one child that you know, but you're gonna be able to get in and build relationship with their whole family and just, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, definitely just be, I guess, in prayer for that transition still that's very new um, and, and what that's going to look like and how God's going to keep um, evolving this, um, you know, as we, we look at the future. Um, we want to start job training for our families, but we just can't get that started with, with the political unrest and the um, things going on right now because we can't get families all in for to do training and things. Um, so, th so those are some big hurdles, you know. Um, sponsorship is a big way um, that that we can use prayer and financial help um, through sponsoring those children at school. Mm -hmm. um, the school costs us about two hundred fifty thousand a year to run free, um, and we want to keep it that way. Um, so we do have a sponsorship program um, that um, is available if anybody wants to sponsor a specific child at the school. Um, so those are just, you know, a few ways um, that you can be praying um, and, and, and definitely it, um, be helping um, in, in some other ways. And we have the food drive coming up at Galilee too. So I don't know if you right. want to speak about that now. Yeah, or... let's, let's talk about that. So um, we're doing a food drive here at our church. Um, we're, we're raising funds. First off, we're trying to raise $4,000. And then our missions committee has promised to, to match that uh, uh, money. So we're hoping to get $8,000 to um purchase some food one um so tell us about that and then we're then we're going to get together and pack some of it yeah so so obviously food we're, we're in a food crisis in haiti right now 100 percent food crisis um hard to get food hard to purchase it for for ourselves and for our families um so that's one of the reasons that we implemented this feeding program at school that we could start giving one meal a day and so Lifeline is an organization that's here in Ohio. Uh, we have been connected with them pretty much from the very beginning. Uh, they do the fortified rice and beans um, that's in the little Ziploc kind of vacuum seal that they ship into country. Um, we have been trying and we have done buying locally for the last few years, um, but with the food prices right now, we cannot buy locally what we can do the Lifeline um, food for. And they are very generously shipping this to Haiti for us. Um, they're totally, um, you know, handling all those logistics, which is huge. Yeah. So um, it's 25 cents a meal. And, um, and um, so my home church is doing it this weekend. So we raised about $9,000. We're going to be packing 36,000 meals to send to Haiti. Um, so, you know, that's, that's awesome, you know, and yeah. if we can get those meals down, you know, that's going to feed my kids at the school for about 18 weeks um, that we're going to have food, you know, so um, we're doing that this weekend. And then a month from now, Galilee's doing it, um, you know, getting that food down there is just going to be life sustaining um, to those kids. Um, and then we'll also be able to offer it, you know, maybe one box a month to our families um, if we get enough down. Sure. Yeah, so that's that's a big thing where we, we really want to help gather that food. So um, we're doing a special thing at our church that, you, as you mentioned, um, you can give um, specifically to that fund because we're trying yep. to raise $4,000 and then our missions committee is going to match it. 
And then where you have a special Saturday where we're actually going to pack food. Family's going to come kind of make a little assembly line thing. Nick yep. was telling me about it. It's like, they've got it down to a science. They so do. Like you put it in a full assembly line and it all goes. Yep. And then we get to ship it, uh, put it up in a container, up in a shipping yep. container. And, and, and then that will come and pick that up. So this is a great way that we as a church are going to sort of get the partner. I think this is an awesome thing that we get to do at the end of the year, especially at the end of the COVID year where we get, we feel like we can't do anything. Right. At least we can do something. Right. Yeah. And this is, so I, I, that's, that's huge to me. I, I love that, that we can be able to. Um, it's still try, a way to really make an impact on these families. Like we yeah. think that we're not doing anything right now, but you know, just giving your time and you know, it's $54 for 216 meals to pocket pack a, a box, you know, so uh, don't go out to eat one night and save that 50 bucks that you would go out to eat. And yeah. you know, you're going to have a huge impact um, yeah. on a family and, and, and kids um, being able to do that. Yeah. So we definitely want to make sure that people do that. I'm going to link all that stuff in the, down below so people can keep track of it. Um, real quickly, and then I, I know your boys were coming home, so I want to get you to them. They just um, snuck what, in and I just shoot them out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, gave, I, I saw you give the move on boy. Um, <laughs> you gave the mama look. I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, mamas don't even have to look. They just stick their hand out. Nice um, what is what has COVID been like for Haiti? I mean, I haven't obviously kept up with their numbers because ours are what they are. But what, what has it been look like for them? I mean, it's it's not been the actual illness has not been as impactful in Haiti as it has been other places. Um, roughly, and again, I haven't looked at our numbers for a few weeks, but the last time I checked, um, we had like 9,000 cases and like 300 deaths, um, which, it, you know, is, we're very thankful because we only have um, 164 ICU beds in the whole country and 64 wow. ventilators for 11 and a half million people. Um, so we're very thankful um, that that the actual illness, you know, virus has not had a huge impact. Now I've talked to lots of people who think they've had it, um, but the symptoms have not been, you know, as bad um, yeah. as they have been other areas. The huge impact that COVID has had is more on the economic side of things. Um, you know, at the beginning, they did shut down the markets and all those kind of things. Um, and then the inflation and, and prices and not being able to get things shipped into Haiti um, has definitely led to an economic um, food crisis. It has been more the, the, the impact that it's had on Haiti. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so how can people keep up with you? And, and what's going on with Imagine Missions? A um, few different ways. Um, okay. If you're on Facebook, we have two Facebook pages. Uh, one is called Melissa's Imagine Moments. And that's kind of my personal page where I kind of just put my things up there and, and, and updates. And then we have our official Imagine Missions page um, that has more updates and, and things organizational wise on that. Mm -hmm definitely can go to our website at imaginemissions.org um, and we try to keep that updated. Um, you can email me at melissa.young at imaginemissions um, dot, um, also and get on our newsletter mailing list. Um, we do try to send out regular uh, email blasts and things like that. So um, if you get those information to me, I can get you on those um, kind of uh, news 
news blasts and things that are going out. Mm -hmm. um, definitely there you can find information about our sponsorship program and, and all those kind of things if that's an interest to anybody. Um, but always um, you can just find me on Facebook and message me and I will uh, get back with you um, with any questions that anybody has. But Facebook and our website would probably be the two easiest places um, to stay up to date on the day to day. Okay, great. And I'll, real quickly, I want to talk about the, the kids because you're sponsoring children. And this is, you know, for someone who may be watching or listening, I mean, it's very similar to maybe what you've seen from Compassion right. International mm -hmm. or whatever. So you get a yes. little card, you get a per person. Yeah. Um, so, but this is something, this is a bit newer, right? Since you've maybe made the switch. Right. We've, we've always had a sponsorship program for our kids at, at when we had okay. kids in the orphanage. Um, just to help with just kind of general operating things and things like that. When we made this switch, um, we really wanted to include these kids from the community that we had coming in, about 350 kids from the community. Um, yeah. So, and we, we also, we wanted to be helping those families to also not be put in a position where they're going to be tempted to give their children up. So, I mean, Imagine Mission's, you know, commitment right now is to keep all these families together, not just our kids that grew up in our orphanage, but all of these families in, you know, Despinos that we can help support in, in, in this way. So the sponsorship is um, a $30 a month um, for a family sponsorship. And that's to help, again, with the feed, food program, um, job training eventually for the parents. Um, we've had to move some parents into better housing situations um, because um, like we had one family that was living in a tent on the side of the mountain and that was just not appropriate for a family. So mm -hmm. um, we moved them into a house and helped them with their first year's rent. So that $30 a month is just really helping the family and some family situations that might come up that we can help out with. And then there's a $60 a month that is to cover the education costs. So paying our teachers, you know, copies, exams, school supplies, um, all of those things that we, we need to operate the school so that we do not have to ask the parents to pay any tuition. Um, most schools in Haiti, like a parent has to pay so much tuition every month, so much for the exams, books, and we're trying to alleviate as much of that as we can. We're still having the parents having some commitment like to, to supplying the uniform. We want them sure. to still have some some commitment yeah. into their kids' education. So right, those are those two um, sponsorships and, and they're, they're really what sustain us. I mean, we are 100% donation mm -hmm. um, driven. We don't have, you know, have any other income. So those do sustain these two programs so that we're able to continue to support these families um, and okay. students. Great. So please go check that out. And if yeah. you will, and you want to sponsor a child, please be willing to do so. They've got um, a lot of great ones that I'm sure you can um, see, and, and that would be a huge help supporting them in their ministry. And if always, you know, as we, as we move closer and closer to the food drive, please, you know, we're going to ask you to donate, to give, and to be here to help us pack. Um, yep. And of course, um, everybody, we, we want to pray um, and not to make light of that. That's still hugely important. That's probably the biggest thing we can do. But um, I also love the fact that we can put, we can get some skin in the game ourselves, you know, and, and the Lord lets us have that opportunity to serve that way. So before I let you go, is there anything that's on your heart that maybe I just, well, we didn't get to, but I want to make sure that you share. Um, I don't think so. You know, I okay. think just, um, 
really just i am good that's all i can say <laughs> i nailed no it. i think no, we covered kidding. a lot of it i think you know i just think you know um the way the lord has just evolved this organization over the last 12 years and that sometimes i i don't I wish he would let me in on the plan. I kind of shared this with you on Sunday. Like, would you just let me kind of see the outline? Yeah. Um, but, you know, he has been faithful. Um, he has walked through all the hills and valleys and ups and downs um, that we've been through um, and that our family in Haiti's been through. And he's just been faithful um, yeah. and never, uh, never, you know, left us to our own devices he always has had a plan and when he's ready to reveal that he does and so i'm just i'm so thankful um uh to have that assurance and to be able to share that assurance with with those we love in haiti um that you know god's got this and we're yeah. just going to keep walking forward <laughs> sometimes you know maybe crying and and calling out <laughs> to god but still walking forward and you know and the joy is going to come uh, yeah. in the end, when we see yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Melissa, I want to thank you for joining me today, um, helping, you know, talking with us, sharing your ministry, sharing your heart, sharing, sharing yourself. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your willingness to sort of open yourself up for us for a little bit. And I, and I hope that uh, from our conversation today that, you know, people can become more aware of, of not just what y'all are doing, but, but also about the country of Haiti, that maybe they can get a glimpse of some of the beauty themselves and realize that, that um, it's worth um, the effort that people are putting in it to try to make it a better place and that we can join in and help do that as yeah. the body of Christ. So, Amen. you know, we have hope um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that we need to share and, and that's a, it's important that we're there doing that. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. My first ever podcast. Woo. Hey, it. that's, that's <laughs> my first one ever doing. No, I mean, yeah, so I appreciate your time. I'll let you get to your boys. Um, and I do thank you so much um, for spending time with me today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for joining me this week on the Galley Podcast. I'm so glad that Melissa joined us. Um, be sure to check out Imagine Missions and everything we're doing uh, to, to work with them as well as everything that they're doing in the country of Haiti. They really need our support. They also need our prayers. So make sure that you check them out. Click on the links. Uh, if you haven't already signed up for the newsletter and make sure that you get on that newsletter and you check everything out about what they're doing uh, there for the Imagine Missions. And if you can, please be sure to give... Um, uh, in order to help us raise the money for the food that we can send down uh, to help Imagine Missions and all the things that they do down there. So join me next week as we continue this series. We're going to be in part two. I've got a good friend of mine, uh, Miss Charla McGuire. She's going to be joining me as we talk about pastor's wives and ministry. And we're also going to talk about a ministry that she works with called For the Love. So I can't wait to see you next week. Mark your calendars. Mm -hmm.